Almighty God, you are indeed all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. You are our refuge, our great end and joy. You are victorious and triumphant. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We confess this morning that we regard faith in Christ far too little. We are far more apt to think of our faith in terms of weakness, in way of being delicate or faint at best. We confess that our doubt in the power and the ability of faith in Christ is often present in our hearts. Thank you for being triumphant and victorious as our Savior. For it is only in Jesus Christ that we can declare any victory, any hope, any standing. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ and for the power of the resurrection, which is the substance of our faith. Thank you for our abiding and heavenly reward, which is the hope of our faith. Lord, grant by the power of your Spirit this morning great confidence and a full assurance of faith that we may draw near to you. In this week, in this morning, in the rest of our lives, that we might find our greatest rest and joy and hope in none other than Jesus Christ. Do this for us this morning, that we may receive glory, that you may receive glory and honor, and that we may receive the eternal blessings thereof. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Amen. Last week we were here in in Hebrews 11 and we were looking at the life of Abraham, an exemplar of faith. And throughout the Bible, if we want to look at one man who exampled faith for us best and you had to pick only one, we would most likely pick Abraham because we find that everywhere through the Bible, Abraham's the one that we go back to concerning faith. And specifically, we connected it last week with Abraham's faith being connected to perseverance. How are we going to persevere? How are we going to continue in this world that seems to be coming at us from every direction? How will we persevere? Well, we're going to persevere as Abraham did by faith. And so we look at that. These Christians, during the time of the book of Hebrews being written, this pastor is encouraging these Christians, these saints who are struggling and, 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 and are having the world come at them from every direction, much like us. And he presents to them the faith of Abraham and says, in faith you will be able to persevere in this very difficult time in the world that you live in and the culture that is opposed to you and your faith. He pointed to Abraham. But what's interesting here is that these Jewish Christians, these Hebrews, they thought of Abraham as the man of faith. But then when they began thinking about the the man of Moses, now see, here is where they really could shine because Moses was the man of the law. You see, Moses was the one who gave them the law, who knew the law well. And as we know from earlier in the book of Hebrews, These people, these Jewish Hebrews were all about keeping the ritual and the regulations and the things that needed to be done in order to please their God. And so, yes, Abraham was one who persevered by faith, but how did Moses do it? Well, Moses obviously did it by the law, right? This pastor here turns their understanding of Moses on their head and they say, and he begins as we see here in our passage this morning in verse 23, he says, by faith, Moses... By faith, Moses, verse 23, verse 24, by faith, Moses. This morning we're going to be talking about Moses. We're going to be talking about the triumphant faith. A triumphant, victorious faith. And we're going to be looking at the man of Moses. Moses was an epic figure in the Old Testament. Huge wrote the first five books of our Bible, 
called the Torah or Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. At the end of Deuteronomy, we have his epitaph, Moses' epitaph. He didn't write the very end, but at the end of Deuteronomy, we have this. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Listen to this. And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Wouldn't that be awesome to be said of you or me at the end of our life, that we knew the Lord so well that it was as if we were face to face with the Lord. It says here that, No one was like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all of his servants, and to all in his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Deuteronomy 34 at the end. What an amazing man of faith. We can so easily begin tying Moses to the law. To He was able to sustain himself and keep himself, how? By doing of the law. But that's what we find here, is that that's not the case at all. But instead, we turn to Moses now, the man of the law, who, how did he, how did he triumph? How did he become victorious? How did he have such an epitaph? He did it, brothers and sisters, by faith. Not by the law, but by faith. And what we find here this morning is that as we looked at Abraham last week, we were talking about that internal battle. Are we going to persevere? And we're talking about the fact that faith will will help us persevere, specifically in our own hearts, where the battle is, quite honestly, so often the most ferocious. The the battle in our hearts of, of trusting in Christ and believing in Him so that we can continue, as Abraham did, as he wandered around in this barren land in this place that he was a foreigner in, leaving his home and then going. Why? Because internally he was a man of faith who was convinced that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And internally he was going forward and doing what God had called him to do. But here I want us to see this morning in the life of Moses is that this faith that was in the heart of the saint, in last week's case it was Abraham, this week's case it's in the heart of Moses. This faith is a faith that isn't just inside of us but it's a faith that in our case today it was it was moving the outside world it was moving men like the most influential man on the planet during the time which was pharaoh it was moving nations which was a which was a, a, an epicenter of trade and commerce and treasures it was it, it was considered the most most uh, wonderful and beautiful and, and, and culturally relevant areas on the entire planet at the time Egypt was because they were flourishing in every way uh, intellectually and, and structurally every way and God was moving Egypt how by man's faith by the name of Moses he was moving armies he was moving people. He was moving the Red Sea. He was tearing walls of Jericho down. And he was convincing Canaanites to come to him. You see, this faith, though the battle is truly in our hearts, that, that there's no doubt about that. And this faith battle is, it does start in our heart. But what we, I think, sometimes become convinced of is that that's the only place it is. That though I can have faith, there's no way God can change my boss's mind. Though I have faith, there's no way God can pay for my mortgage. Though I have faith, God, there's no way God can, on an external basis, be able to take care of my job or my circumstances that are outside of me. What we find this morning is that this faith, this faith that Moses had, is a faith that's triumphant, not only in our own hearts. Praise God that it is. Praise God that it is. But it's a a faith that is triumphant on the outside of us. God was doing amazing things outside, around Moses. Why? Because of his faith. So this morning, I want us to look at this triumphant faith. I want us to consider this triumphant faith. And I want us to consider it specifically, we're going to be looking just at verses 23 through 27 this morning. I have, I have verses 23 through 31 prepared. And this morning, as I was going through it, I cut it in half. Um, so... Don't worry, I'll, 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 I'll be, 
I, I can gab enough so that it'll be a full sermon. No, I'm hoping it will be a little shorter. But, but I felt like the, the point of this first portion of the text just needed to be by itself. For so many of us, and honestly, brothers and sisters, for me. <laughs> I needed this this week, and, and it just this first part just set in my heart that I feel like maybe we need to have this as well. Just this truth, and that is that our God is triumphant. Not only in our own hearts, but in the outside world around us. He can accomplish mighty and amazing things. He's a victorious God. And because He hasn't yet, doesn't mean He can't. It just means that He hasn't right now. And we keep trusting the Lord. So, I want us to see this in three particular headings. First is a faith to stand, verse 23. Point number two, a faith to refuse. Verses 24 through 26. And then thirdly, a faith to endure. A faith to endure, verse 27. My prayer is that we'll see these in the text. Because this morning, it doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what God says to us. And my prayer is that His Spirit will so come and and cause us to trust His Word and what's being said there. And that you can see that what I'm saying is what God's Word is saying. And so verses 23 through 27, if you will, let us look at this triumphant faith. And I want us to notice, if if you will, the outlook that Moses had in this triumphant faith. And what I mean by that is, what was he seeing? And I want you to notice here in our passage, verses 23 through 27, notice with me in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they, notice this, saw the child was beautiful. You see that? So there was a, there was a reason why they hid their child, Moses, and it was because they saw he was beautiful. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Verse 26, notice with me. He considered, this is Moses, the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was, notice this, looking to the reward. Do you see how the parents saw that he was beautiful? We see here that Moses was looking to the reward. And then finally in verse 27, I want you to see, this is our third point here. I'm just showing you that in each one of these points, there is an outlook. There's a view that they're, that they're taking, that Moses is taking here. In verse 27 it says... By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see how in each one of those, there's an outlook, there's a view, there's a seeing. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but, and the conviction of things, what? Not seen. But that doesn't mean that we're not seeing anything. (laughs) It just means that what we're hoping for isn't seen yet. And yet, here we find that Moses is seeing something. And in this case, he's seeing the reward. He is seeing the God who is invisible. And so I want us to consider this outlook that Moses had as we consider this triumphant faith. Heading number one, a faith to stand, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Who was being faithful here? It wasn't Moses, but it was his parents. His parents were being faithful to hide Moses because when he was born, there was an edict that was sent out that all the babies should be killed in the land because the Hebrews were growing in number and they were fearful, the Egyptians, that the Hebrews would outnumber them and then take over and begin having more influence. And so there was an edict that was sent out that was said that one should, that all the male children should be killed. That should be killed. And the idea here is this edict in verse 23 is the edict of Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 that says, Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile. And so this edict was sent out. And it says here in verse 23 that by faith Moses was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of what? The king's edict or the king's law or the king's doctrine. The king sent out this command, this law across all of the land, and the parents by faith denied that law and said, no, we're going to walk by faith. Why? 
Well, strange phrase here in verse 23 says, the reason they did it was because they saw that the child was beautiful. This is an interesting word. You realize that when we look at this, we're looking at a Greek text is the, is, the, is the New Testament, and they're bringing it in from a Hebrew text from the Old Testament, and then now we're translating it into English. And so we've got three barriers sometimes that kind of gets rolled in here. And sometimes words in the Hebrew that come over in the Greek sometimes have various meanings that seem odd to us. In this particular case, this word for beautiful isn't just for an attractiveness. We think of beautiful today as simply being an external attractiveness among people. That's what we understand the English word to be. But here, the Hebrew word that's being brought over into the Greek is the understanding of not just simply being attractive, but being approved of, of being accepted, of being received. It means this person was in good standing, or this person was seen as having a special blessing or special calling in their life. In other words, they were, as we see, this beautiful child was, could be understood as well as, the, as one who, who, was, um, who was treasured and seen as there's a unique calling on this one, on this child. It says here that somehow the parents of Moses saw that Moses had this unique calling, this, this unusual appearance, this, this, this thing about his life that seemed particularly the special blessing in his life, and they refused to allow him to be thrown to the crocodiles in the Nile because they noticed this unique blessing that God had obviously given to them. There's, no, there's, there's nothing in our text that gives us an idea of what this is about. And we can, we can assume all kinds of things. But we all know how things work, don't we, in our own lives. Children being born or things happening and doors opening and doors closing. And what's our explanation from, uh, for, from us in those situations when we begin seeing those as people of faith? We say, well, God... God did this. I have no idea how this worked out or what happened here, but God did this. In some way, I believe the parents had that kind of idea with Moses being born. At the time he was being born, they saw a blessing on this child, and they said, this one's beautiful or approved or has a special calling and divine blessing in his life. And for that reason, they chose to deny the edict of the king. The king and the Pharaoh are used in, in, in synonymous ways, but the king and the Pharaoh were the same person. And they did that, They refused that. And what caused them, according to verse 23, what caused them to, as it says here, not to be afraid? Because you realize that if they had not, if they they were disobeying the law of the land, what was the punishment for disobeying the law of the land? It was you will be killed. And so is it my baby or is it my, my life and my family's life? And even those who are around me who are hiding this baby for three months. Moms, think about this. Moses, for the first three months of his life, was in in hiding. It's kind of hard to keep that crying baby quiet, isn't it? There's all kinds of fears and anxiety when that baby doesn't doesn't have any idea what's going on. And yet they were able to hide this child for three months. Why did they do it? What caused them not to fear? What gave them the ability, as as I said here, faith to stand in resistance to the law of the land? What gave them what gave them that 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 lack of fear and that ability to stand? Verse twenty three, by faith. By faith, brothers and sisters, if you are going to stand today in a world that is opposed to God and His law, you're going to stand by only one means, and that is by faith. You're not going to stand by your ingenuity and by your conniving and by your hiding and by your doing all kinds of other things. Instead, you will stand if you have a confident faith in Jesus Christ and what he says. We're standing today in our world and in our culture against a lot of things that are contrary to God's word. And we should with confidence stand. Why? Because we're people of faith. We're people of faith. And it says here that they saw this divine calling upon this baby. This beauty of this baby Moses. And when we see that God is at work, when we see that there's divine things that are happening, and honestly, the thing that I came to in way of my own heart was wonderful, beautiful things that God has instituted like marriage between one man and one woman. Beautiful and wonderful things like God has instituted like babies being born. Excuse me. Babies being born. The world wants to think of that as, uh, as something that is, that is theirs to control and handle. And we as God's people, by faith, says marriage is what God calls marriage. 
And when a baby's born into this world, it is God's calling, and we are, to, we are to allow that to happen, and we're to encourage and take care of the unborn because they're weak and vulnerable. God has called us to do that. How will we do it? By faith. By faith. Second point I want us to see here is in verses 24 through 26. This triumphant faith. This triumphant faith is a faith that refuses. A faith that refuses. Notice the word. I'm getting it right from the text here. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We find that this is actually 40 years later. You know, in verse 23, it says, Moses, when he was born, now we find 40 years later, he had grown up, verse 24. And when he had grown up, he refused He refused what we find in our passage in verse 24, 25, and 26. He refuses three things. The first thing he refused, as we see in our text here this morning in verse 24, is he refused his position in Egypt. He refused his position in Egypt. Verse 24 says, And Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He refused his position. This morning we noticed as David read for us in Exodus chapter 2, It says in verse 11, chapter 2, One day when Moses was grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. It says that later on he actually got, he was found out just a few days later. And it says that Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. You see here what it says in our passage in verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We don't find anywhere in the book of Exodus where um, Moses verbally said, I'm leaving, I'm denying my, 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 my lineage, my position. What we find is that his, his actions spoke louder than his words. He had a heart for God's people, as we read in, even in Exodus chapter 2. And he knew that God's people were his people, that he was in fact a Hebrew. And it says that when he was found out for killing the Egyptian, he was basically run out of town by Pharaoh. For he fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. So we find out that in verse 24, as it speaks of here, it says he he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that he actually was by faith living out his life and made the decision, I'm no longer going to have my prestige and my status as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now understand this. Pharaoh was, was the, the president of the United States at that time. Egypt was, was a, a, a world power. And Pharaoh was at the top of that chain. And Moses was in that, in that court. He was a prized and special uh, a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he denied that position He denied that position in his status and in his world. Why? Because he, by faith, wanted to live according to God's standard. In other words, he denied to live according to the flesh, according to his comforts, according to his wants and his desires and all the wonderful things around him. See, he had everything handed to him. He had every comfort imaginable. He could live any way he wanted to. He didn't have to work or lift a finger all of his life. And he refused this status, this position. He refused this fleshly desire to be comfortable and live in ease. The second thing that he refused, I wanted to see, first was his position. Second was his pleasures. The second thing Moses refused by faith was his pleasures. Look at verse 25 with me. Verse 25 says, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Do you see that? The idea here, verse 24, excuse me, 25, about being mistreated is the idea of being oppressed or treated with harm or ridiculed. In other words, Moses here, it says, would, it says he was choosing rather to be ridiculed, mistreated, and treated harmfully, 
Notice this phrase because it's important, with the people of God. He wasn't a lone ranger. It wasn't that he just wanted to go out and, 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 and live in a cave by himself. But he looked at the people of God and he looked at the Egyptians and he said, I'd rather live with those who are God's people. He'd rather be mistreated. And notice the people of God, they were being mistreated, were they not? They were slaves in the land. It says at the end of Exodus that David read for us that they were actually crying out for God because of, their, because of all the, the agony that they were in and the oppression they were in. Moses says, I'm going to choose that. I'm going to choose that. That's the word that's used here. I'm going to choose that and I'm going to refuse the pleasures that are available to me. It's amazing. It's amazing. Why was he willing to choose that? For the people of God. Now, I must say this here. The people of God there during this time were in many ways the same kind of looking bunch that we are. You see, it wasn't that this was this pristine, wonderful, beautiful group of people that they wanted to, he wanted to align his life with because they were so wonderful and great. They were a bunch of vagabonds living as slaves that he probably got hurt from and they probably hurt him. And there, there was all these tensions and agonies. These were people. They were people of God, but they were people that he chose to, to, to be with. Why? Because they were the people of God, not because there was anything special or unique in them or about them other than they were God's people. Notice what it says as it continues. It says, choosing rather the mistreatment with the people of God than to enjoy, notice this, the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Pharaoh had everything at his disposal. Let me reiterate. Pharaoh had everything at his disposal. Moses' ability to have whatever he wanted was unlimited. And what we find is that if his eye desired it, he could have it within a day. Why do you say that, Shane? Well, because it describes these pleasures in verse 25 as he, he chose not to enjoy the, here it is, fleeting pleasures, and notice the last phrase, of sin. It didn't, stop, it didn't say just the fleeting pleasures, as if there were things like rich food and fine clothing that he could enjoy. That's fleeting pleasures, right? But it says here, fleeting pleasures of sin. So it wasn't just the rich food and the fine attire or clothing, but instead Moses had access to every base and common lust that was available. It was a fleeting pleasure of sin. And it says here that Moses, Moses choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, to be mistreated than to pursue or to have or to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What would cause a man to do that? Faith. Faith. Thirdly, I want you to notice the third thing he refused was possessions. Moses refused Egypt's possessions. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. Moses refused Egypt's possessions. Position, pleasures, and now thirdly, possessions. Moses refused to take upon himself those things that were the, tre- notice this phrase, treasures of Egypt. Again, remind you, this was, a, this was an epicenter of the world. Everything was available to Egypt and specifically to Moses. He had the whole world by a string. And he chose to deny these treasures of Egypt, which was vast and numerous. It's one of the big, huge dynasties of the time and even in history. We find that Egypt was that. It was a leading forefront in industry and trade and education and power and prestige. These are the treasures of Egypt. And what does it say in verse, verse 26? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. 
In other words, he was willing to take upon himself the suffering that was required to follow Christ. Two, all the riches of Egypt and the world. To follow Christ means you suffer. To follow Christ means you leave the things of this world. To follow Christ means that you leave the things that seem so valuable and important to the world and the treasures that are therein, and we hold them lightly. Moses had said, verse 26, Consider the reproach of Christ greater wealth, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? How could he do that? Well, because of what he saw. And I want you to notice this here in verse 20, 26. Because of what he saw, brothers and sisters, you see, what it says is that he was able to deny his position. He was able to deny the pleasures of Egypt. He was able to deny the possessions of Egypt. Why? Verse 26 says, For he was looking to the reward. This reward has been spoken of before. Hebrews 10, 34, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better, what? Possession and an abiding one. These Christians were willing to lay aside all that they had for the purpose of caring for and loving the congregation that had been thrown into prison, many of them because of their faith. That's Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 34. Hebrews eleven sixteen goes on and says, And as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, this was the reward that Moses was looking to. Egypt and all its treasures. Egypt with its position and prestige. Egypt with all of its um, possessions and pleasures. Or this better possession and abiding one, this better country, this heavenly one, this city that God himself is laying the foundations for. And Moses has this divine view where he looks at this scale and he says, all of the world or Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to bet my life on Jesus Christ. I'm going to go after God and his promises. First John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is, the desires of the flesh, our position, our comfort, our ease. And the desires of the eyes, our pleasures and lusts and desires. And the pride of life, King James actually says, the pride of life of possessions the possessions that are in this world is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What a verse. Can I share with you, this, this is why I wanted to only have half the message, because I wanted, I wanted you to hear this. Most of us have heard that verse, First John, haven't you? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Most of you have read that. Most of you have spent time in that, in that passage. The position that's in this world, the pleasures that are in this world, the, the possessions that are in this world, these are not from the Father but from the world, and they're passing away. Does it make you tremble when you read that? And when you read First John, and when you read this passage where Moses was so faithful to deny those things, and you know that deep in your heart, your heart clings to those far more than you would like for them to. Your heart wants position. You, you externally, you verbally, you, you outwardly try to live in such a way that you're pushing away position and pleasures and possessions. And you, you externally know that that's what you need to do and that these things are a love for the world. But it scares you when you read passages like this because when you read them, you say, Lord, my heart is far more tied to those things than I'll ever admit to, to people. 
I want them so badly. My heart just goes back to them. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, if you've come to God over and over again, pleading with Him to take away your desire for the flesh and your desire of the eyes and your pride of life. And you said, Lord, it keeps coming back to me. And every time I seek to be faithful and I move forward, then it, then it, and it comes at me from another direction. And there's no way, Lord, I, I keep stumbling and falling. I, I set up these barriers in my life so that I'm not, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't do these things and I don't do these things and I live in a modest house and I do these things and other things and, and I try to shape my life for all these barriers and I make choices so that I'm not loving the things of the world and I'm not desiring the pleasures of the world. I don't want the position that so many are after and yet, Lord, it comes from the back door and, and, it's, and, and, and it's alluring me. Have you ever felt as if your heart is far more triumphant than God's word? How can somebody like Moses say no to the position that's in the world, to the status that was there? How can somebody like Moses deny the pleasures of this world that were, that were right before him? Anything he wanted, he could just have. What would make a man turn from the possessions, and say, I'm going to instead, according to verse 26, be considered with reproach. I'd rather be, verse 25, mistreated with the people of God. How do we do that? You and I both have tried to do that by trying harder by setting up different things in our lives so that we're not loving the things of the world, by being around people that don't pursue the things of the world. We've even tried bad-mouthing people that do have things so that we can look more righteous when we're in front of other people about how we just hate possessions and things and stuff, right? And all along your heart is wanting more of the world. Brothers and sisters, why am I going on and on about this? This is where... My prayer is, is that we will rest. And it is, is this. There is one way for us to triumph in our world filled with positions and pleasures and possessions. And that is in faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it may take... I want you to, I want you to think about that. You've tried every way you can possibly try to be more godly and holy and less worldly and, and, and base. And in every one of your efforts, you've stumbled and fallen more often than you've succeeded. And even if you do succeed, you're only succeeding for a few weeks or maybe a few days at best, and then you fall right back into your own lifestyle of pursuing the things of this world. Brothers and sisters, if, if, there, will be tri- if there will be victory in your heart concerning unfettering our hearts from the world, if there's going to be tri- if there's going to be a triumph, if there's going to be a conquering, it will be done by faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. I want to, to challenge you. Stop your efforts and start trusting in Christ. Start turning to this reward. Start looking to Jesus. There's only one way that sin, as Owen says, will fall dead at your feet. And that is turning our hearts to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look to the cross, brothers and sisters. Look to to Him. Know that the blood of Christ is sufficient. See, you're not convinced. You've tried to beat sin so many times, and you've seen how, how well Satan is at conniving and pushing sin into your life and providing you allurements, and you've tried everything under the sun, and you're convinced that there's no way. Satan is far too cunning And I'm far too weak. Brothers and sisters, if you've gotten to the point where you cry out to God, I can't do it anymore, Lord. Sin is is abounding, and my heart is so quick to want it. You're at the perfect spot to come to Christ. Because until you give up on all of your efforts, you're never going to have victory and triumph. Moses was able to 
push back and refuse his position as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was able to choose rather for mistreatment than to enjoy the pleasures of fleeting of, 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 of fleeting sin. He was able to choose and consider the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. How? By looking to the reward by faith. He said, there's nothing in this world worth living for but for Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's how the taproot of our sin is cut. All the other stuff that you try to do in your own effort and your own ability is just cutting limbs off that will grow back. Cut the taproot, come to Christ. And in that way, we can say that our love for the world is being severed. Praise God. Because we never want it, but it's there. Point number three, heading number three, faith to endure. Faith to endure. Verse 27. By faith... He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Faith to endure. Moses didn't just refuse Egypt, but he left it. It says in verse 28, uh, excuse me, it says in verse uh, 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the king, excuse me, of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Now we see here that when this particular verse, some have said is his first leaving, when he was run away after killing the Egyptian, more than likely what we find here is actually his leaving with the Egyptians, when he, or excuse me, with the Israelites, when he, the mass exodus. Because here we find that what it says here in verse 27, that he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. Well, he was afraid of the king, of Pharaoh. That's why he left. That's what I read earlier, right, in Exodus 2. It says he was afraid, and that's why he went and lived in Midian. But it's interesting because when he left in the Exodus, there were, there were ten plagues, right? And he went into the courts of the Pharaoh Almost every one of those times, not everyone, but almost every one of those times. And he told the Pharaoh, this is going to happen. Let my people go. And Pharaoh, you know, shifted on every time. And in each one of the cases in Exodus chapter 7 through 11, these 10 plagues played out. At the end of chapter 11 of Exodus, it says that uh, uh, Moses went into Pharaoh's courts and he says, this is the last time. All of the firstborn in the kingdom are going to die. Everything that's firstborn is going to die. And it says that in that, if you read the end of chapter 11 of Exodus, it says that the Pharaoh, here's the phrase, was hot in anger. And then it goes on and it says, and Moses departed from the courts of the Pharaoh. And when Moses departed from the courts of the Pharaoh, the last thing he saw of the Pharaoh was his hot anger. And with his physical eyes, he saw the anger of the one who had authority over the entire world towards him and towards the things that he was saying. And he knew that the Passover night was coming. But when Moses saw with his physical eyes the anger of the king of Pharaoh, we find in our text this morning in verse 27 that he did not, that was not the final thing he saw. But instead, what was the thing that consumed him? It wasn't the seeing of the king with his hot anger or the Pharaoh with his hot anger desiring to do harm to Moses. That wasn't what Moses saw. What was most influential in Moses' eyes was what we see here in verse 27. By faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. And that's what I believe that's referring to, is the anger of the king at the last going into his courts. For he endured. Moses endured. Why did he endure? How did he endure? As seeing him who is invisible. You see, Moses wasn't banking on the anger of the king. He was banking on the almighty God. He was banking on the one he could not see, who was invisible, who had promised him that he would be let out. 
In other words, Moses had seen the invisible God, and he said to himself, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from his eyes. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. That was what he understood about his God. That's what he understood about who God was. The fear and the anger of the Pharaoh as he was leaving the courts, or am I going to trust my God who has promised me that we will leave this land to go and worship? Moses, here it is, by faith, trusted in the invisible God that he had seen, that he knew had called him. So, how did he endure? How did he endure when the king was angry? He endured by faith. And brothers and sisters, this morning I want to encourage you as we, as we close. And this is really where I wanted us to land this morning and understand this. Is that if we're going to have a triumphant faith, then we need to believe that our faith is triumphant. We need to believe that God is going to do mighty and amazing things, not only in our own heart when we believe in Christ, but in the world around us. He's going to accomplish much. Now, let me, let me explain this to you. This, this can very easily become um, the, 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 the load of worthless doctrine that was communicated. Here's my, here's my jab, and I, and I do this to, to, to guard your hearts. Okay, I don't do this as an opportunity to be ugly or mean. The, the load of false doctrine that Joel Osteen was preaching two nights ago here in our city, that's, that's, that's false doctrine. I use this word very carefully. He's a heretic, brothers and sisters. He does not know the gospel. If you, if you listen to him, he does not talk about the blood of Jesus Christ and him crucified as, a, as appeasing the wrath of God for, for our sins. He doesn't talk about that, so he's a heretic. Okay? He never talks about that. And so he's presenting himself as a, as a teacher and as a prophet. He's a false prophet. God's grace, in this particular passage, I want us to see this. How are, we, how are we going to be triumphant in this world? We're going to be triumphant by faith in Jesus Christ, by trusting in him. Now, like I said, this can very easily go down the wrong road, can it? We have a triumphant faith. Our God is awesome and big. He, he did the ten plagues. He, he hid and helped Moses. He did all of these things in the book. Of, and God's going to do that for us. He might. He might not. Okay? Just because God hasn't done something for you doesn't mean he can't. We also have page after page after page in Scripture where people were pleading to God, God, will you please give me this or help me in this regard and help me in this regard? And you know what they do? What we see later on in in Hebrews, we see that women received back their dead from resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. They actually died. They suffered mockings and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. God could have delivered them, couldn't he? But he didn't. You know what was most important about all of those people? Abraham to Moses to us today to all everybody. We are to trust in Christ. And if the Lord delivers us, that's a great grace and a wonderful blessing. But I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I'm asking the Lord for right now. And you know what? He hasn't given them to me yet. And I can be angry and bitter or even say, well, he's going to one day. And he may. I wanna, I'm, I'm praying to that end. But what if he doesn't? Is he still an almighty God? He is. It's not about my healing or my physical state. It wasn't for them. Moses didn't, didn't accept the reproach or choose to be mistreated because he was concerned about his comfort. He was concerned about obeying Christ and living by faith. So this morning, brothers and sisters, if we're going to triumph in this world, if we're going to cut the taproot of the love for the world that we have, and it's in your heart and it's in mine, if we want to leave the position and the pleasures and the possessions of this world and say, you know what, they're there, and we, we, we can enjoy them as, as from the hand of God, but they're not what we live for. If we're going to endure, if we're going to stand like Moses' parents did, brothers and sisters, we're going to do it by faith. We're going to do it by trusting in Christ. No matter what his hand does, when he opens his hand, he gives us wonderful blessings. 
when he closes his hand, he's no less God and he's no less good. He's still an almighty God with wisdom and grace. My prayer this morning is that we will be a people who can pray this. Psalm 16 in closing. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are your, the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out to take their name on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul in shell. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have known, you, have, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Brothers and sisters, that is the reward You can have the world with all of its temporary, fleeting wants, or you can have this. My prayer is that by His Spirit, God is convincing you that this is worth it. This is worth taking the reproach of Christ. This is worth being mistreated with the people of God. This is worth it because His inheritance is a beautiful inheritance. Let us pray.